Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is broadcaster and comedian Nick Hancock. I first met Nick in the early 90s when through mutual friends we used to play five-a-side football together every Monday night underneath the Westway in London. He was brilliant at football by the way and I was shit. He was also on the verge of becoming very famous. Nick's really smart and really funny and soon he was one of the most familiar faces on TV. But, as is so often the case, fame came with its dark side and its temptations and, like me, Nick has struggled in the past with addiction. I recently appeared as a guest on his excellent football podcast, The Famous Sloping Pitch, and afterwards I asked him if he'd be up for discussing more personal stuff with me here on The Reset. I was really pleased when he said yes. We'd never spoken like this ever before with each other, so it was a really interesting and enjoyable conversation. I hope you agree. Here it is. Nick, welcome to The Reset. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Such a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, we've known each other a number of years, yeah. although we haven't spoken in a long while. No. Um, and uh, and certainly, Nick, we've, we've never spoken about the sort of matters that this podcast is about because we've, we knew each other um, many years ago as just sort of teammates or occasional adversaries on a five-a-side pitch. Yes, exactly. In an all-male environment, uh, in at, at an age when you have very little responsibility and, uh, and in a time when you probably wouldn't have talked about any of the things that were probably talk about today so no, no it's quite it's quite interesting that i mean yeah i think it would have been like the early 90s uh like when i first went you know i was still like a a teenager mm. and um and we used to play in a, a regular sort of monday night and it's true really it's not just like the age that we would have been at i guess you were probably in your 20s but also just you know just yeah that environment well, and, that a, era, and that era in the early 90s it just wasn't a thing was it it's a perfect storm of things to be together you know um yeah. as i say all male different time and and uh and and you know and, and being young and being and being yeah. young and determinedly hedonistic and having fun you know yeah. because that was the only thing that mattered kind of thing um yeah. uh, clearly it wasn't but <laughs> Well, what, what's interesting is, I don't know about you, but, you know, those times it's not like I look back and think, oh, wouldn't it have been better if we were all sharing our feelings and not just having a laugh? Because it was a laugh. But I suppose, you know, you have to sort of have a little bit of balance and perhaps in that time and at that age, we, we lack any balance at all and think it's perfectly possible to just relentlessly focus on the sort of fun and frivolity of life without sort of reflecting on, on any of the other sort of emotional stuff. Well, I mean, I think yeah, I think that's true, but uh, you know, I think that, that there's that word, isn't there? Carefree, and it, it literally, if you if you break it up into its two component parts, that sums up exactly what you are when you're in your early twenties, unless you've got married very early or have had kids yeah. very early. Uh, if you're lucky enough to uh, have a job and you've got a little bit of disposable income and all the time in the world, then, you know, where are the cares going to come from? Clearly, people do have issues and do have problems, uh, yeah. you know, whether they're, 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 they're from outside or, or, or you know, or, or internalised. But but you, 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 it's kind of... 
it's kind of expected by everybody around you that that the next fun thing is the next thing to do. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You know, that yeah. it, you can only limp from one great experience to another great experience. Of course, of course they weren't all great, but it still felt a little bit like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I think part of that as well is I really, my biggest fear for a lot of my life, especially when I was younger, was boredom. It was like the idea that there would be any gap that the gaps between like you say one fun experience and the next were just like quite scary yeah because i just i, I just thought that boredom was almost failure did you ever uh, have that uh, yes i think so. I, I, yeah i think so um and uh and, and i also of course of course being so incredibly self-regarding and vain and uh, self-obsessed was convinced that i'd be dead by 35 so therefore <laughs> i had to really pack it all in um, you know because because people who I admired were dead by 35. So therefore, naturally, that's where I was going to be. Um, yeah. So there, so there was a little bit of, you know, packing it all in. Um, what, what was your, um, like, upbringing like in, with regards to this sort of stuff? I mean, you know, sharing feelings, being open about yourself. Well, I mean, I you know, to, to do the, you know, all the you know, um, David Copperfield type shit, as, as, as Salinger refers to it, you know, I had, a, I had a very, 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 very happy childhood and lots and lots of good friends and, and three sisters who supported me and, and a wonderful mum and dad. But I think as I got a little bit older, I did become aware that my dad was struggling a little bit. I remember I remember one summer when he, he was in bed an awful lot and my mum was finding it very difficult and I you know I think looking back on it you know he, he was he was probably depressed but my my father you know uh my, my, my father's a, of 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 an age and 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 even if he wanted to talk about it I don't think would have had the words uh and certainly wouldn't have known wouldn't have wanted to talk about it um with me so uh he came from like almost the opposite of my situation because i had three sisters and he had three brothers two brothers sorry um and so i think i think um there was probably not a little cruelty in that household you know and he was the youngest yeah. and you know and i and i i, I think I think being slapped down when you're young that makes you you know clearly makes you less likely to to explore these things or, or say things that suddenly other people might think you foolish for saying, and so you know it, it's off the agenda all of a sudden. So yeah, I was kind of I was kind of aware of that. I was kind of aware, although I didn't know what it was at the time, of my mother's menopause as well, um, when she just seemingly went, you know, in my mind a little bit mad, you know, but. Yeah looking back on it because my sister's so much older than me they they was we thinking about it recently because she died recently but yeah they were sort of explaining well you know what that was all about that was this and that was that and that was the other um to, to me because I, you know i was a child it it was just a change a change in what things were that suddenly they seemed to be arguing or he couldn't get out of bed or you know she was lying down in front of the car to stop him driving to work or you know whatever it may be i'm kind of laughing at it but but uh, but now looking at it with, with, with you know through the lens if you like um uh, i i can i can recognize a lot of that behavior in relationships that i've had or other people that i know and so yes um it was there but no not spoken about i don't think mm. yeah it's funny i remember my mum going through the menopause which i now know to have been the menopause but i was exactly the same i just thought oh Mum's gone completely mad. Yeah, She's yeah, taken yeah. like six weeks off work and is like in bed and stuff. And I, I understand now. But it was quite terrifying. But also even stuff like that. No one even talked about the menopause. Menopause would have been a word that would have been whispered. It would have been spoken of in hushed well, tones, wouldn't it? It's, uh, uh, my father, of course, who had having three daughters and a wife in the household uh, and me, who he packed off away to school. He didn't pack me off to school. I had a great time away at school. Um, uh, not only didn't believe in the menopause, he didn't believe in um, premenstrual tension either. Uh, and right. so, you know, so these things didn't happen in the house. Uh, which clearly, it, it was probably a... 
um, a maelstrom of premenstrual tension, I would have thought, at times. Uh, but it, no, 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 he didn't believe that. Or, or indeed, or indeed that childbirth could be painful. Um, you know, he, he, he wasn't... I, and, you know, he would, still, he would still say that now, I think, if... Um, so he's if, very much of the old school. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But, I mean, you know, the old school is, is often... It starts with, um, what will suit me best? And then yeah. you may, it's, it's, it's um, post-rationalisation, isn't it? And then making yeah. it a fact. It will suit me if childbirth isn't painful, even though I'm not going to have to give birth to a child. So, therefore... Childbirth isn't painful, you know. It's, yeah, I will declare yeah. it so. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But My mother. Three sisters, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Sorry. Go, uh, just going to say, having three sisters is interesting because you're right. I mean, I grew up in a house of four brothers, and you're right. There is a lot of cruelty thrown about. And if you are the youngest, <laughs> which I was, it does make you a little bit scared of appearing vulnerable. But so I'm interested to know what it's like to grow up with three older sisters. I imagine, my imagine, uh, what I've always imagined is that growing up with sisters is quite beneficial because it means that you can be a bit more emotionally open. And I always assumed that you would grow up being better at pulling girls as well because uh, you'd learn learn how to communicate with women. But that that was just sort of how I imagined it because I'd had the opposite. Is Is any of that true? Well, I mean, the thing is, look, I, I was, I, I was, I keep saying I was sent. I went away to school when I was ten, right. So, in effect, I left home at ten because I, I went away to school till I was eighteen, and then I went to university. So, mm. so I didn't, mm. I didn't perhaps get the full benefit of having the three sisters. But no, it was a was a very gentle, um, uh, a, a gentle place, our house, really. Well, apart from my father, obviously. Um, um, and, uh, you know, and I, of course, I posed no threat to them. Uh, mm. I, you know, I was, I, you know, I was five years younger than, than the next youngest. So yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was almost, I was almost like a pet, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know um, tolerated and petted in in equal uh, in equal measure. So no, you know that was that was that was all kind of fine. I don't think even my sisters were that big into talking about right. e- emotions. I mean now now it's very it's very different. Uh, but then again, we are all you know sixty and upwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so no, so in some ways, you know, I I kind of had both your upbringing, if you like. Sam and mine, because mm. I went I went away to an all boys school from the age of ten, um, um, with no parental influence there at all. So uh, you know, I got quite a lot of that cruelty <laughs> as well. So yeah, I I bet. I mean, boarding school. You know, people often say that you know the the, the um, emotions and vulnerability are positively discouraged. That's part of part of the system. Is is that cliche true? I. I, I, I I imagine it changes from school to school. I think I think it's just a case of of time to tell you the honest truth. I think you know that there are moments, there are moments where um, you know where you do get a chance to to speak truthfully, and I mean truthfully in that sort of inner truth way to adults and 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 eventually your friends as well. Although most of the first few years that you're around everybody you spend your whole time trying to avoid being noticed at all right uh, um, but uh, you know i can't speak for everybody's experience i, I mean i had a great experience mm. but that was only because i mean when 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 i went my my mum said look we're, we're thinking it might benefit you to to go to a different school i wasn't doing well at the day school i was at and also i think she thought having three sisters they was going to turn me into a sissy um so she basically said you know do you want to go to a school where you play football every day so i said yeah that's exactly the sort of that's the sort of and you know and basically i did play football every day and so fantastic uh, uh, you know there was always something to look forward to so for me it was fine a lot of other kids you can't believe that their parents sent them there. It was such a ridiculous idea. They clearly weren't suited. They were neither, you know, um, mentally suited nor, uh, nor, 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 not tough enough, but able to close off 
enough mm. <laughs> to to mm. to get through and and you know and and, and i absolutely accept it's an uh, an uh, an awful place for a lot of people um so being sporty was a big because i mean you're as i know you're a talented sports person i mean well, that must have been a that must have been a big like in that environment in particular a big advantage for you in all ways oh yeah i mean i but uh I think what it, I tell you what I think it did do, thinking back on it now, um, you know, I was nowhere near one of the best. And uh, what, what it did do, which is something I've always had, was me, made me enjoy the successes of others. Right. Always. Because, like, I, I, I've always had friends who are cleverer than me, who are better at football than me, who are yeah. whatever it may be. And, and I've always just taken great, joy in that it's never been something that's motivated me in a in a in a negative way and i think i, I think that's quite a good thing to have learned to tell you the honest truth to 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 yeah. you know it, it's the it's the the opposite of gore vidal isn't it you know it's the uh you know um you know whenever one of my friends is successful a little of me dies yeah. is, is the yeah. thing he said you know and I, i'm i'm quite the opposite you know i'm delighted if any of my friends yeah. uh, do well um so i think it helped in that way um you know it was definitely you know, it's not a normal way to grow up um especially <laughs> as you get you know past at a 15 16 to be um to be to, to be in an all male environment um it's funny isn't it? i don't know whether you've ever read tony cascarino's book um, no, I haven't. Uh, well, it's a very, very good book, and the reason the, the reason I think it's very, very good is that he he talks about being a professional footballer, but he talks about he talks about how absurd it is, and he sort yeah. of says he said that you know when he became a professional and he was relatively old, I think he was like twenty one, twenty two, something like that. You know, he went he went to an away match. And he was expected to share a room with another male adult. And he said, mm -hmm. I've never shared a room in my life. And I was 21. And yet, and <laughs> little things like that you don't think of, do you? <laughs> yeah, and he yeah, said, yeah. it was just like, what a, why am I going to, I don't even know this bloke. I've got to share a room with him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's completely bomb. And it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Quite interesting yeah, uh, uh, thought, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you... Um, it, when you uh, you went to university and then you yeah, went yeah, yeah, to the yeah. world as, as an actor originally, weren't you? Is that right? That, like you? Well, no, stand up really. I think right. Um, only because there were no acting jobs. So the, you, those, this is the these are the ancient years when you needed to have an equity card, and yeah. and the equity card was the classic catch twenty two that um, you can't get have an equity card until you've worked a certain amount of hours. You can't work unless you have an equity card what's the kind right. of the deal um but, but one way to get some hours under your belt was to do stand-up um right. you know if if you had a well, i wouldn't say gift or it but you know if, if you if you had a thick enough skin for it yeah you know and and, and i think you had, to, had some ridiculous uh, some ridiculous sort of completely random number of hours you needed to do like 72 or something like that yeah. and so i i i i was both was a stand-up and also in a double act with Neil Malarkey and that was a do you know what that was one of the happiest times of my life it was just it was just unbelievable because the the, the stand-up circuit was just starting to burgeon um it yeah. wasn't it wasn't it was too early that anybody thought for a second that this was a job or could ever right. be a career it was just it's almost like playing football at the weekend. It was fun, and somebody paid you yeah. for it, you know. And and it was, uh, I, yeah, you know, it was sort of. It would have been Paul Merton and 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 Gillian Clary and uh, Harry Enfield, and then later Jack D and all those people. And and it was just, um, it was just so professionally. Um, disinterested <laughs> that 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 and again it comes back to that thing i said about enjoying other people's success you used yeah. to love you know you stood at the back and you watched the other acts and you loved them and we were all mates together and it was and it was great it was a really really it was one one of 
two two things I wish I'd never given up was and stand ups one of them and football's the other. Um, but it was a, yeah, it was a great time. It was a really freeing time. I was down in London. I was working. I was working for Searchy Searchy, uh, which I, I gave up. Uh, yeah, I worked in media buying. Right. Which is the second worst job in the world after media selling, um, <laughs> and um, and I left exactly six months after I got there because yeah. I felt six months would look all right on a CV. And yeah. to be fair, on the the people in the office, they, they managed to to pull the wool over my mother and father's eyes for a year afterwards by saying that I'd nipped out for a sandwich every time that they phoned up. <laughs> Very good of them. Yes, while well, I was still, I was in fact, you know, uh, burning the candle, at, well, only at one end, really, doing stand-up. So that was a very, that was a very, very, a very happy time. Uh, yeah, it was, and, and uh, yeah, and supportive. Uh, and, and I guess that led to your TV career, because, uh, you know, by the, in the 90s, you, you know, you were on telly a lot, presenting yeah. mainly weren't you i mean that yeah. Yeah. that exploded pretty quickly for you and what kind of effect did that have on you personally mentally all that sort of stuff fame coming quickly um well i was still doing stand-up and that kept my feet on the ground a little bit because you know you still have your mates around you and, and a lot of the people i worked with in television were people that i knew so it wasn't it wasn't too bad but it was certainly it was in, it, 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 to use the word advisedly, but it was it was insane. It was it was because uh, and but in fact quite quite uh, revelatory about the way that that, that television works. I, I remember I was uh, um, shorter in the tooth then, um, but you know suddenly because you're on television, you get offered stuff that you can. It, it, clearly you shouldn't be being offered you know <laughs> just yeah. it's just because people think that it will get the program made if you do it so you need to get you know, it was, these were the days of faxes and honestly used to come home and there'd be reams of faxes just waiting for me you know most of which were, were terrible sort of ideas you know dad do you want to would you why don't you present a program on animal husbandry or you know or uh, or <laughs> dentistry or you know whatever but just you know just completely balmy stuff um which actually, which was a good lesson, really, because it was so clear. I, if I'm ever going to drop a name, and, and actually quite relevant to your programme, um, Dale Winton once told me something, <laughs> which I thought was uh, very interesting. Dale Winton, of course, who sadly believe, took his own life um, quite recently. But he said, he said, this is the way it goes. It goes, who the fuck is Dale Winton? Oh, not Dale Winton, he just does hospital radio. That Dale Winton's meant to be all right. We should try Dale Winton. We have to have Dale Winton. I don't care what the programme is, Dale Winton's got to be in it. Oh, not Dale Winton again. Let's not have Dale Winton. Let somebody like Dale Winton. Anybody but Dale Winton. <laughs> that's, the, that's the shape of a career. And do you know what? It's kind, it's kind of true. It's kind yeah. of true. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when you're at the sort of when you're at the peak of that because I, I'm guessing with you, Nick, that you never sort of in your game plan, if you even had one, would have would have not been. Oh, I'm going to be presenting TV shows necessarily. I mean, that I guess the way the industry of them works is, you know, you're a performer, you're confident, you're funny, and usually presenting just kind of is something that, that comes calling up upon someone and next thing you know you're doing it well you've you, you you've you've done it yourself you know they want they want a, yeah. a, a relatively safe pair of hands i somebody that can bullshit <laughs> you know <laughs> gobshite you know somebody who can just keep keep the conversation going uh, but also yeah. they were trying to find a way to use stand-up because stand-up was such a boom thing on television and yeah and panel games was basically the only way they could get it to work. Um, yeah. Was you know because 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 one of the great things about stand up is it's just you and the audience, and that doesn't work if it's on television because mm. it's about being there and believing that that the comic is saying the thing for the very first time. Well. 
clearly, if you're part of a television audience, that, that that's that's different. So no, it certainly wasn't something uh, that that I ever imagined doing. You know, and, and I don't think any of us did. You used to say to each other, "This is completely mad, isn't it? This is balmy. People are paying us to do this stuff." Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was it was uh, it was interesting. And then then you start getting all that. I mean, this. <laughs> It sounds ridiculous. Even thinking back back on it, you know, um, then you, suddenly it's film premieres and this, that, and the other, and you know, and uh, and, and people are sending you shoes. Just the strangest things happen. <laughs> <laughs> people send you shoes. That's one of my. Did people say what, what? What was it like being relatively famous? I always go. People send you shoes. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, it's, it's really spooky if they know your size. If they arrive in the correct size, you're like, oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I mean these aren't members of the public; these are shoe manufacturers. You understand? Yeah, nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Nevertheless, it's still it is still quite frightening. So that was and, um, you, yeah. Uh, you know, so you're earning money. There, there's people. Are, doors are opening all over the place. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, and this and the other thing about about you is, is that it was the '90s, and as we hit the sort of mid '90s. You know where you know your career was was really you know on a, on a high that era of laddism of loaded magazine of Britpop and and all of that and the sort of rebirth of football um, yeah. all of those things you know that was an era. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's an era where I came of age, and I sort of think it was great fun to be a young bloke during that era. But the the general ethos was all like all that matters is getting off your face. Yeah. And guess what? There's no consequence. It's not something I thought. Uh, that's at the time. No. That's what I really thought. Now you were kind of not blaming for it, Nick, but you were very much like a high profile person who was in the sort of in the eye of yeah, that yeah. storm culturally, weren't you? Um. Yes, and 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 I was always slightly shocked to be thought of as being uh, uh, laddish because I didn't think I particularly was. But I suppose I liked football, and you know I mm. fell very easily into the alcohol and, and drugs. But because honestly, it was almost impossible not to be offered stuff all the time, and you thought, well, this is clearly how it works. You know, this is this is the way it works. I mean, again, talking about being offered stupid things, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm about as fashionable as, as you know the penny farthing, and I, I was I, I was asked to judge the Q Awards one year, you know, which is like ridiculous. <laughs> and there I am at the Q Awards. I'm thinking, what is going on here? Um, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, and there's lots of things that, that, you know, looking back on it, I feel badly. I mean, they had the Luke Chadwick thing where Luke Chadwick, uh, had quite recently just said how much, how upset he was by the stick he used to get on. They think it's all over. And, um, and he's entirely right. You know, and I, I can't say anything other than that. Yeah, that was, that was just bloody wrong. What, what on earth were we thinking? I mean, the, the the thing we used to say, which I suppose is you know, is is the excuse we gave ourselves was uh, once the red lights on, anything goes. Yeah, you know, I I am this person while we're recording this program, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give no quarter, you know, and yeah. if and if I have a chance to take out the piss out of you, 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 or you, you, and you, I'm gonna be doing it, and we're all gonna be doing yeah. it. And 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 I suppose um, that I separated myself 
outside of the studio from the person inside of the studio. Unfortunately, uh, I think where I was naive was I also separated the people who were the butts of the jokes from being mm. real people to being, um, you know, um, uh, a comic figure. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I think one of the, I mean, one of the things I won't mention the names because that would be uh, unfortunately um, reinforcing the error. But we we made a joke about two players from the club that you support, actually, who there had been some rumour that um, a wife had come home and found these two players together and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we made a joke about it. Okay, one stupid two not particularly funny three mindless you know um four annoyingly you know gets big laughs but then a week later i i get a a letter from one of the players mums you know uh just saying you know I, i just want you to know they're working really hard on their relationship you know they are real people how do you think it makes me feel um you know they've got a young kid i think and whatever anyway it was just but it was just a letter from a mum and you know and this mum becomes every mum then you know it's 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 just it's just like being being caught you know and doing something very 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 naughty and then and looking i probably looked uh, probably nearly as red as kevin de bruyne had looks the guilty farm boy <laughs> as we always think of him uh, but the, you know and that, you're at such a pace that suddenly something like that just pulls you back and you go what the fuck was i thinking what would my mother say <laughs> you know mm. um you know and, and i have to hold my hands up you know bad made and mistake got egged on by the big boys <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing, it was definitely a less sensitive time, that's for sure. Uh, and everyone, I mean, God, I worked on lad mags. I've got all manner of uh, regrets about the sort of things we did and said and wrote. But yeah. it was a less sensitive time. But also, I mean, there was less consequence because it was certainly, it was it was way before the, the era of cancel culture and social media where, you know, people get... so. In a way, like you, you think you know, cancel culture is is quite scary and obviously goes way too far in certain cases. But you sort of think there's sort of more accountability now. So the sort of things that a lot of us were just getting away with and not really thinking twice about saying or doing in the nineties, you wouldn't do it now because there's sort of more consequence, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, well, possibly. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I agree with you totally that some of the, the the more some of the excesses of that time needed to stop. I I also I also think about cancel culture. I mean, I just, I just I'm quite I don't like cancelling anything. To tell you the honest no. truth, I think it needs to find its own audience, you know. And and sometimes that audience are despicable and horrible people. Well, fine, let's put them in a bloody hall on their own. I just, I just, I do. I feel very sorry for people who, because of the internet, you know, have said something when they're like seventeen, you know, and are called up on it years later. I just, I think I, I'm all for cancel culture. If you can have three strikes and then you're out, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, everybody yeah. should be able to make yeah. a couple of mistakes in their life. Um, there's also a thing called I don't. I'm sure you do know the Overton window. Do you know what the Overton window is? No, the no, Overton. No. Oh, okay, so the Overton window. Uh, this is something that Steve Punt told me actually. Um, is a period in time when something is sayable, right? And it changes. Mm. Okay, and sometimes it overtakes itself and comes back again. Mm. All right, and it's and it's it, it what it what the Overton window basically says is that the certainties of today are different from the certainties of yesterday, and they're certainly going to be different from the certainties of tomorrow. And in fact, none of it's certain. But it's quite an interesting idea, isn't it? Is it is that yeah. there's, there's a there's a period of time when something is sayable, and then it's not, and then it might be sayable again. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree, and it's scary that things that you said in different contexts can come back and, and finish you. And I, you know, I'm not an advocate of cancel culture by any means. I suppose what it is is that you got a letter from a mum, 
and that made yeah. you stop and think in, in amongst a fast-paced career where you were sort of you know, flying from one thing to another. And like you say, nothing kind of ever pulled you back, but that did. But nowadays, perhaps we all, we've got more reasons sometimes to sort of think twice before we open our mouths about well, certain stuff. I, I think that's true. But, but from a personal point of view, it should have happened a lot quicker. But the fact that I discovered myself where I was going so badly wrong yeah. is a much more valuable lesson. You know, it's the it's the um, <laughs> the cancel culture is to me the equivalent of having man traps to catch poachers. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's just reinforcing something that isn't certain and isn't necessarily reinforceable, but it's fucking harsh. You know, you lose your leg to a man trap because you're trying to feed yeah. your family. Okay, it's not the same thing. I'm yeah. I, all, yeah. all I'm saying is, yeah, there was, it was a certain amount of education in that letter I got from that lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned drink and drugs, and I know you've had uh, sort of struggles with those over the years. Do you think that that was something that you always had in you, or do you sort of look at the, you know, the sort of, um, you know, the the impact of, of uh, uh, fame no, and the pace of no. your life? No, no, the, the, the drink definitely is just part of who I am. Um, yeah. The, the, the drugs, <laughs> I'm sounding more and more like uh, uh, like um, uh, a follower here. The drugs, well, it's just everybody else was doing it, you know, you know and it uh, seemed yeah, to be no, quite absolutely. good fun. I mean, I did, I love, I did love, and I'm obviously very old now, but I did love the whole hacienda ministry all of that stuff mm. i loved going out and dancing and doing all that stuff because finally somebody like me that doesn't know how to wear clothes was allowed to go into a club when i was younger you know you had to wear a suit to go into a club yeah. you know and, and 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 dance like john travolta so i really enjoyed all that and that was a good place and also the anonymity of that was very 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 good the the, the drugs i have to say were much much easier to give up than the drink and and that's because because well certainly when I reached a certain age and certainly once I had children I mean not straight away you know I hold my hands up to that uh, you know when I thought about it every time I pictured myself taking drugs it just looked so ridiculous it's such a ridiculous thing to do it's 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 seedy and it's and it's strange and you know and when you <laughs> and when you when you're a when you're a, a a gobshite like me why would you want to take something to give you more confidence it's a most ridiculous <laughs> thing but but the drink much much different it's it's it notionally sociable it's uh, always available it doesn't have to be done surreptitiously it provokes questions when you say you don't drink it's it's all of it's all of those things i found that a lot more a lot more difficult it had been a part of the fabric of my life since i was probably 16 so that 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 was hard to to get rid and there was you know there was and i'm sure you'll have heard these things you know there was a degree of mourning you know there was a degree of uh, can i i don't really know if i can do this without a drink, you know. I've, drink has been, you know, it's always been there. So that that was very hard, and um, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I failed afterwards. I'm glad I did it again, because now I know I can do it. One, uh, I know I'm happier when I'm not drinking. Two, yeah. um, and and I know where to go when when I first was just in absolute desperation I, I, I just didn't know where to go I didn't know what was wrong with me you get a lot of people who who, who, who drink a lot who think that they're depressed uh, and they may be depressed um, but the drink's got to stop first it's it, you know yeah. the drink's not going to help the depression you know the amount of people I've, I've met you know going to, I think I'm just depressed I, I think I'd be all right. I, I know you know I know you never you, you know full well you never tell anybody what they must do and what they are because only they they can come to to, to that decision uh, but I have to say um, 
that the first three years when I gave up, I was so so happy. I <laughs> just so happy. Just yeah, you know, yeah. felt it felt like um, someone had had me on the floor with their boot at my neck, and now they'd gone away again. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, it's very a very liberating yeah. feeling, isn't it? I mean, it's an incredibly liberating feeling. It uh, is they, uh, uh, that that and that rush of euphoria that they call the old pink cloud. Yeah, really is like absolutely. I mean, I've heard people talk about it. I thought it was bollocks, but I, you know, yeah, you kind of walk around like you're walking on air for a long time because yeah, yeah. you can't believe how free and and sort of light you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and also, you know, we were talking about when 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 you're younger. You know how you can't enjoy this moment because you want the next moment. You know, yeah. and and actually, one of the great things about sobriety—not for everybody. Some people struggle terribly in sobriety, but but is actually just being able to savor the moment that you're in, and not think right. If I went to a cricket match or a football match, I would walk into the gate and go, right, what we're drinking, because. Yeah. You know, watching a full day of incredibly talented test cricketers play cricket at the very highest level isn't going to be enough for me. <laughs> I need to be asleep by three o'clock, you know, and and yeah. and wander home and you know just balmy stuff. I know it's a, it's a, the, the the great moments and and sport is a great example because football and drinking for me was just so hand in hand that I couldn't really remember ever go into a football match like since I was like 14 without drinking heavily you know it was a, yeah, yeah. and I sort of you almost wonder whether or not you're going to still enjoy it and then you start thinking oh my god I missed all that football because I was pissed and now you just enjoy it so much more I always say football and Christmas are the two things that I can't believe I wasted on booze because they're both really fucking great in their own right. Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, you know, there's been other times I've been at Stoke, I have to say, and thought to myself, <laughs> what the hell? God, i could have watched this sober for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Um, I mean, yeah. it's an interesting, they've never done a survey about, like, you know, levels of alcoholism depending on the club you follow. Because, I mean, as a Stoke, you're a Stoke fan, I'm a West Ham fan, it does probably make it a bigger challenge to... um watch it watch it sober um so what what did what did you what did you do mate was it was it a 12 step thing that you did yeah 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 i did no i did 12 step thing and met some fantastic people i still keep in touch with obviously and Mm. uh you know and and i you know i i wriggled on the hook like so many of us do and going oh i'll 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 do that bit but not that bit and i'll do that bit but i'm not doing that bit you know and and then you just keep seeing all these people who seem to be really well and they do all of it and you think Mm. i think i think the biggest thing that i learned i've learned a lot in aa the biggest thing is is uh, to be teachable just you know you can be clever and miserable or you can just accept you don't know everything and actually be quite happy. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a really important thing. Humility. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so also, Nick, I know um, that you recently lost your, your mother as well, which I'm yeah. very, very sorry to hear. Um, uh, t- tell us about how, well, how that's been uh, for you. Well, actually, a couple of things, really, because uh, which are all intertwined. So... It was COVID mm. and a lockdown. So that coincided with, uh, I got divorced from my wife because of the drink, okay, and and moved into a flat and my daughter was at university and my son went to university and then it was locked down and I was on my own for months wow. and months and months which was not and, and I know it's not a rare thing but it was not nice and I just felt like everybody's gone everybody's gone away where is everybody uh, and I was uh, I wasn't living in Stoke I was living in Trojan miles and miles away um, and, and that that was very difficult to deal with then brilliantly <laughs> not brilliantly after the one term my son 
of course, can't go back to university, so he has to be at home, which he hated, of course, because he's 20, you know, and he wants yeah. to be at university. But I've got my son here <laughs> for six months, <laughs> which is joyful. Um, uh, you know, uh, we had, a, 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 we had a, a house rule, which was that um, anything the right side of contempt was acceptable. Anything he could say, but, but when it reached contempt, I wasn't having that. Uh, so then, then of course, he's gone away again, and my, my daughter's got a job now, so I'm on my own again. And then, and then uh, my mum died in in January, and it was um, I, I was shocked by quite how much it <laughs> affected me. I don't know why. Because, um, you know. Um, a friend, well, he's a friend of both of us, Jim Thornton, uh, and I mm. went to his mother's funeral, and he did a little piece, which I think he wrote it himself. Anyway, it, sta- it started with the line, "I've never not had a mum before," mm. and I thought that 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 is exactly it. Of course, I don't know how to behave. I, I've never not had a mum, you know, <laughs> since yeah. the moment yeah. I was born, literally <laughs> the first yeah. person, uh, and. Um, you know, it's it's not. It's just a, it's it's just. I mean, there are clear there are memories, but it's more. It's more just. It's just a really bloody deep sadness. You know, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it as anything. You know, um, but she would have enjoyed. It's just a. I, I think. I think the bereft is the word, isn't it? Um, and I, I. I don't think I ever thought that would be the case. I. I think I always thought when I reached the age I am now, everything would be sorted. You know, work would be over. Kids have gone away. Fantastic. You know, mum and dad. Well, yeah. you know, they've had a good innings, yeah. and uh, you know, they've um, they've got a car we could sell. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but but in fact, it's it's it can be quite a lonely place. <laughs> um, um, you know, when all these things happen at once, um, and 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 also you're not working as much, so you don't you don't you don't. Um, you're not having that interaction either. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. It probably sounds like we're complaining. We're having a, a conversation about about mental health. So I'm just telling you, this is, this is, my, this is my experience. I'm not saying, you know, I want pen friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah, about um, the, that about the it's not what I expected, is, is it? But then you know, life shouldn't be what you expect, should it? No, and it's like you say, you've got to be... Um you know, humility and being open to learn oh, from yeah, these experiences, yeah. and, I was, uh, and 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 uh, has has the experience of recovery helped you through th- these challenges? Yes, I think it has, and I think it has. You know, because uh, first of all, I know it's not just me <laughs> you know, who has yeah. problems in the world, and in fact, most people have much worse problems in the world, and also. You know, there's that great um, prayer of Saint Francis. I think it is something like that. Anyway, it's better to it's better to love than to be loved. It's better to forgive than to be forgiven. It's better, you know, get out of yourself. Yeah. You know, is is is, is what it is. Um, and 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 I, I and I catch myself. Uh, the, one of the great things about recovery is you start to learn your little signals. You know, uh, and and if, yeah. if if I'm not listening to music, that's a bad sign. Right? If, if, if I'm not exercising, that's a bad sign. If I go out of the car and the first car I see, I go, you fucker, I'm in a bad place. Yeah. Okay, because that's a ridiculous yeah. thing to do. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm much better now at, at, at seeing those things and, and try not to isolate. And, and So, yeah, it does. It does help. It really does help, yeah. And what do you do? I mean, uh, presumably, when you feel yourself, you see those signs, I guess... You know, you, you go to meetings or what have you. What else do you do in life? What helps? What are the little things that help you? Exercise, like, you know, swimming and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I go and see my dad, check how, he, how he's doing, things like that. Um, my uh, my sister's got all of her grandchildren with her at the moment. Seeing, seeing little ones is fantastic. I mean, you know... A, 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 Three or four years of age is my favourite age for children because everything is just so fantastic and tomorrow's going to be another day and it's going to be better than today, you know. So that's always, that's always a, a, really, a really good thing uh, to do. Um, so, yeah, those, those are uh, the things I try to do. What, uh, and what I try not to do is, is decide I'm going to watch a box set. That's not a good thing to do. 
uh, get out in the fresh air that is a good thing to do um, yeah. open my post that's a good thing to do it's a very easy yeah. thing to start doing it's just going oh, I don't know I'm looking at that. I don't want to do that so yeah just yeah. you know lots of different things whatever works for you isn't it like you say yeah uh, well Nick I'm really it's been lovely talking to you and it's been and I'm really privileged to, that you've been so open no problem mate no problem at all good luck there you go Nick Hancock a talented successful and confident bloke who's nevertheless been through many of the same trials and tribulations as any of us I really appreciated how honest he was and got a lot out of listening to his insights and his experiences I hope you did too if you like Nick then you should check out his brilliant podcast, The Famous Sloping Pitch, which he does with Chris England. It's football, but it's really smart and very funny. Thanks for listening, as always, gang. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.